listen to a fable. We welcome all who sit at our table. Let's enjoy our caffeinated delight. For we are all monsters on the darkest of nights. Welcome to Caffeinated Monsters. I'm your host, Faith, and my co-host today, Ria. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, we thought we'd do a nice bonus episode, as it is Father's bonus. Day. Bonus! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but yes, uh, so we're going to be doing things a bit differently, because we are celebrating not only Father's Day this month, but also Pride Month as well. So I we thought we'd do a two-for-one. Woo-woo! But yes, for all those proud fathers out there and LGBTQ, LGBTQ+. <laughs> By the way, this episode will be unedited, so you will be hearing all our verbal mistakes. Oh, us. no. <laughs> you didn't tell me that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be an interesting one. Uh, yes, uh, LGBTQ+. Uh, I'm so <laughs> bad at this. Twice you messed it up. LGBTQ plus episode. Yes, Father's <laughs> Day, or also known as the Alphabet Mafia, which I do prefer. Hmm. Okay, I've never heard that. Yeah, I've only heard heard it recently. I thought, you know what, that actually describes us really well because so many of us think of us as the bad guys, and it's like, you know what, let's go with it. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, let's start off with uh, Father's Day, shall we? Father's Day. Um. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Uh, I will say, <laughs> I okay, my father died. He died years ago. But I, my uncle was like a, an also like a male father figure for me in my life. But I have like a love of dads. Like a deep love for dads, for good dads. It's not like a normal thing. <laughs> and so my appreciation for dads is like on an elevated level because there's nothing in the world that I enjoy more than like a good dad. <laughs> Does that sound creepy? No, I think you'd get on with my dad if you ever meet him because he is literally just the abundance of dad jokes, somewhat dry humour, comes up with some proper one-liners and he's covered in tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds pretty good. I've been obsessed with my friend's dad for years. I love my friend, my best friend, Brett. His dad is like a lovely human being. He's like the epitome of like a wonderful, gorgeous, hardworking, wonderful dad. Did I say wonderful like 500 times? His dad is wonderful. <laughs> also, like, I love my husband. I love my husband's father. So my father-in-law is like nicest sweetest most amazing man i'm just obsessed with dads it's like an ongoing joke with my friends that i love dads but it's true justine's dad oh my god forget it i like love dads <laughs> so father's day means a lot to me good no <laughs> but um I, I i don't know what uh father's day um type things you want to discuss but I did like a best of and worst of, just like picked one of each. So I have like a, a scary movie, Amazing Dad, and like the dad you love to hate as well. 
that's what I came up with. Yeah, okay, I found some uh, DVDs in my collection of like dads that are trying their best in, in the situation they're in. But yeah. also, I can think of one really big stereotype that should have been in our tropes episode. Oh no, well. what did we forget? Um, uh, the male is the one that never believes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They think, I would blow over, it's fine. Our child isn't possessed. <laughs> we touched on that a bit with the like, cop that doesn't ever believe the kids. So we touched yeah. on a similar idea where it's like, you crazy kids. And you're like, um, his leg is missing and one of their friends is dead. Maybe you should believe them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's similar to that. But yes. Uh, do you want to go with your list then? Yeah. I mean, I just want, I got, I got my favorite best of, and I would call it more of a thriller horror. I don't know if you remember it. It was 1996. It was, was called Born Four Years Before That. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I saw this movie in the movies. So that shows you how much older I am. But um, <laughs> 1996, and it was called Fear. And it was a very young Mark Wahlberg and Reese Witherspoon were like a teenage couple dating. Yeah. Okay. It sounds familiar somehow. Okay. Well, I I chose this for my favorite dad because like Mark Wahlberg is a straight up psychopath and he ends up trying to kill her whole family and her Reese Witherspoon. They're just like kids, but he's like a straight up psycho. The dad like kind of has his number the whole time. You know what I mean? Like the dad knows what's up and the dad is like, willing to kill everyone like he has like crazy friends that are all like attacking the family with him and the dad is like nope none of that shit's happening here and he's so the dad is um you would know him from csi and i don't know if you saw like the manhunter original manhunter movie yes i used to i watched that yeah that guy that's him yeah okay the guy from csi and the guy from manhunter is the dad it is uh william peterson is his name and he's the actor that plays the dad. And uh, he's, he, he might not be my first dad crush, but he's, like, definitely one of them. That he's dad like, <laughs> Yeah, he's, like, handsome, but he's just, like, a normal-looking handsome. Like, he's not, like, chiseled and, you know, ripped. He's just, like, a good-looking guy, and he's also, like, a really loving dad. And, you know, he, he even though his teenage daughter is like, shut up, dad, you can't tell me what to do. He's like, no, he's bad, you know what I mean? And, like, I know it, and I'm going to prove it. In the end, he doesn't have to because he's a psychopath who tries to kill everyone. And so he just protects his whole family. So it's like his wife, his daughter, and he has like a little son, like a, a young boy son. Young boy son? I don't know. Like a, like a child? <laughs> Otherwise known as a child? <laughs> but, um, a male infant. <laughs> yeah. So he was, he, like I said, not one of my first, probably my one of my first, but not the first. But like similarly, I don't know if you know the movie Crush with Alicia Silverstone and Carrie Always. Oh, it's the that's the one where uh, she turns out to be the nutcase, doesn't it? Yeah. She's like, she's like a teenage psychopath. Yeah. I saw and... that. It made me feel really uncomfortable, but in a good way. <laughs> it made me yeah. want to keep watching to see like, how far she was going to go. <laughs> yeah, and it's about the same time. And though Carrie always isn't like actually her father or a father, he's got that like dad vibe in the movie. You know what I mean? And like he was probably one of the first dad type crushes that I was like, I love him. I hope he's okay in the end. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, but so that was 1993, by the way. So I don't know. That's how long ago that movie was. I don't know if you uh, <laughs> realize yeah, how old that movie is. Hmm? Yeah, I didn't realize how old that film was. I mean, I was born in 92. <laughs> so it came out the year before you did. <laughs> oh, no. That's a horrible way of saying it. <laughs> 
But, you know, uh, I just thought that would be a good, like, too good, like, thrillery horror element. Like, really, you know, good early 90s movies that had two, like, two guys doing their best. And so Carrie Always and uh, William Peterson, they get my Best of Dad Award. And then Mm. the Best Dad to Hate for me is a classic. I went with um, Jack Torrance of The Shining. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's 1980. So it came out before I did. (laughs) (laughs) But um, Stanley Kubrick, like everybody knows The Shining, but I, I, I told you the last book I read, um, last horror book I read was Dr. Sleep, which is the continuation of The Shining, the second mm-hmm. part of it. And they really explore the effects of him as a father on Danny. Like, you got to think like how messed up that kid would be on top of the fact that he is like, you know, he has The Shining. His dad was like the absolute worst, brought him there, <laughs> brought him to the secluded place lost his damn mind, tried to kill them all. You know what I mean? Like, he's the best of worst dad. Absolute worst. And um, I, I enjoyed Dr. Sleep, the book more so than the movie, even though we've already talked about how I'm obsessed with Ewan McGregor. But I really liked the, like, lasting effects. Like, you know, Jack was a, an alcoholic and Danny was an alcoholic, but Danny used it to kind of dull the shining. Mm. Really, it was just the whole experience, you know, of going through that as a kid. Having that dad as a dad was like too much and too 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 intense. So yeah, I went with The Shining. Torrance, you're the best of worst dad. <laughs> yeah, it's understandable. I mean, I think recent years, I think The Shining is kind of it's not just like the father figure being an asshole. Yeah, but people know uh, find it out and like the news getting out and more people knowing about how the lead actress is treated by the director as well. Oh, yeah. That, that I mean, the last crazy. I mean, the last effects from that alone was actually just made the film itself, like, legendary. <laughs> yeah, that's, he, he straight up tormented Shelley Duvall, and um, she, it's, it's, it's terrifying to see her now because she's quite, you know, elderly and, like, out of her mind from, like, everything that happened to her in her lifetime. But um, you, it, she's unrecognizable now. It's insane. Yeah, because I think I saw on like a, a clip from a documentary, and just such like the difference alone between then and now is absolutely shocking. Oh my god! Yeah, he he would have been literally in jail for the things that he did to the actors back then. Mm. Sure. Yeah, it's just Hollywood. different time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a different time. Yeah, people could get away with a lot more things back then. Like social, Even now, social like... media, media wasn't around back then, so it, and people were more likely to stick together when they're higher ups in the movie industry. Being the elite kind of protected them. It really doesn't yeah. anymore. Well, it 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 shouldn't anymore. Hmm. Oh, yeah. uh, any more Father's Day examples? I mean, we talked a little bit about The Mist and how the ending of The Mist is quite intense. Just a bit. I literally watched the end of that film and I thought, holy shit, what? Yeah. <laughs> Talk about a father trying to do his best and then just messing up in the most, like, it's not even that he messed up, he still thought he was doing the best he could and saving his son essentially from a, a, a fate worse than death. Really, he caused it, you know what I mean? So that, that ending is, I mean, the movie itself is, you know, a silly monster-type 
monsters in the mist coming for everybody kind of thing. But um, the end is is tough. It's tough to watch. Yeah. I mean, I think for, for that dad character in particular, I did feel for him because so many people were like, when they started, when then that, that giant shop and they're trying to, um, oh, what was it? Uh, the religious Nasser was kind of like grouping oh, yeah. people together and saying, we need to sacrifice a child. Yeah, thinking that, you know, in some way she knew what she was talking about and her crazy rantings. But she, she thought if they sacrificed a kid that it would all go away. Yeah, and just like trying to protect the child when they eventually go into the mist to get to the vehicle and then drive off to find his wife. Yeah. There was something about that scene that I completely missed when he finds his dead wife. Mm. And they said, uh, I think it was like what culture said that if he had fixed that window, she may have survived. Oh, wow, okay. Because the tree in the beginning was what kind of... And it broke, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he said he was going to fix it, and he got caught in the shopping. And then the mist got in because of the broken window. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like, he sort of blamed himself partially for not only his wife's death, but he literally... Yeah. Yeah, killed his own child and like three other people in the car, and then like the military suddenly drive up past him, and it's like like, (laughs) literally a minute, like not even a minute, like Mm. kills them. The realization of it, he doesn't have any bullets left, so he's just gonna go out in the fog and die. And instead of a monster rolling up, uh, you know, the the day is saved. (laughs) Oh God, that was a gut punch and a half when I saw that scene. I was just there, like, oh my God. As far as dad characters go, that's a weird twist at the end of an otherwise, like, kind of, I wouldn't say fun, but, you know, like, a, a, a an easygoing horror movie, but just, like, crazy monster things and, and chaos. It was a deep, serious ending. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it really took me by surprise, because I wasn't oh, yeah. expecting, like, such a, like, quick moment yeah. to happen. Immediately after, he just gets hit with the reality of what he's done. Crazy. You can tell just from the screaming when he's just crying on the floor. <laughs> it was great. It was really good. Yeah. It was pretty good. So I did think of that one. I mean, there were a couple other things, but um, really mostly I just, those were the three I, 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 I mostly came up with and thought it would be best to discuss. What did you have going? Excuse me. So I just drank some juice and burping coming late. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, films that I thought about when it comes to like dads doing their best is uh, the opt- autopsy of Jane Doe, which I absolutely love because of the practical effects. Yeah, and, like the minimal amount of, of uh, characters in it as well, and the mass yeah, yeah. pull it through quite well. Uh, Wish upon, okay, and uh, the hollow. Hollow. Hmm. I want to have the DVDs here. I shall read out the synopsis. Um, when I conservatorialist is sent to Ireland with his wife and infant child to survey an area of forest believed to be hallowed ground by superstitious locals, his actions unwittingly disturb a horde of demonic creatures on the loss. So essentially, there's uh, this. Uh, a couple of parts in the film where you kind of like you actually do feel for the dad okay because not only does he 
becoming infected by one of these creatures by a changeling. Okay. But his son, actually, uh, his child actually gets switched with a changeling, but his wife doesn't know it, but he sees it and he's kind of like tr- trying to convince his wife, you need to give me that child. Need it is not ours. Yeah. I know where our actual infant is. Let We have to switch them back. And she's just devastated because she doesn't know how to deal with this. Wow. Yeah, no, I don't, I've never seen that one. 2015, The Hollow. I'll have to check it out. I thought it was quite good. I mean, the special effects of all were pretty decent, and it was just like the absolute torment of not only the mother in that situation, but the fact dad was literally like physically changing to something else, but he's trying to keep his family together in a way. Yeah. But he knows that he's not going to survive the whole way through. Okay. Doing his best, even though he knows he's got a grim fate. Exactly. Yeah. Good. Uh, Wish Upon yeah, I saw uh, that one Yes, I thought it was pretty decent I mean it's it's one of those films where it's kind of like you don't really like the main character because she keep, keeps making these wishes even though she knows other people are going to suffer yep. as a result yep. and uh, it's the main character's dad in the film that I do feel for because not only has yep. he lost his wife early on but he's I think works as a like he does like dumpster dive and sells off like anything that he thinks is worth money. So he's trying to keep the house. He's trying to pay the bills. He's trying to do what he can. He, but, I think he was like a like a handyman or a fix it man. But he also like like you said, he would like pick up stuff and try to flip it or just try to get money for it and do the best he could to provide for it. It's Ryan Felipe. I love him. Who doesn't love him? Yeah. It did, even in that film, I sort of think he still looks quite young somehow. He does. He, ha- he has a really young looking like face. It, it, even though he's, I mean, he's older than I am now, but he like is, he is a attractive young faced man, mm. <laughs> especially to play a dad of like an 18 year old. Yeah. I did sort of feel for dad as well because his daughter was somewhat like, embarrassed by him. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they're poor and he's, they're struggling and. Yeah, it's like yeah, she's the a uh, uh, a typical like dad. Don't embarrass me type. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just I can kind of relate to that because my dad was always like a handyman. He was always doing like, odd jobs for people. Yeah. Like if you need if you need the gardening done, if you needed like uh, fuses fixed or just a fence building for your garden or just anything like that, and he was like the person to call. So it's kind of I can kind of understand that, but I never really felt embarrassed about him when it came to him like doing odd yeah. jobs and things. But it and seems they like overdo it with her that she's like so embarrassed by it, and yeah, mm. I, I think more often than not you wouldn't be. You'd be like, whatever, my dad does whatever he does. I don't know. You wouldn't even like discuss what your dad did with your friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I do sort of feel for his character because he goes through so much shit in the film as well. Yeah. And some of it was literally because, not only because of, you find out the twist towards the end of the film about what the, um, uh, the, uh, box. Is it? yeah, the wish box thing. Yeah. Music box opens and, yeah, Grant's wishes. Yeah. That it's uh, related to not only his wife, but also it's kind of, it's affection his daughter because she's got it now as well. 
that was just kind of somewhat tragic about his character in a way. I would agree. Definitely. It was, and, and it's a newer movie. I mean, it only came out, what, like, well, like two years, three years ago? Oh, 2017, I think? Yeah. It's it's new. It's contemporary, and and it's like you know it, it does fall into that character that um uh, not character that genre of like teenage newer horror movies because mm-hmm. she does you know she does all these awful things to the people she hates the girl at school that's mean to her and like oh gives her that. that when she rosses oh I just wish that such and such would just rot, rot and she develops yeah. this um that skin eating disease or something and the skin uh, starts to like go horrible. It is it is a bit like kitsch in that like respect, but at the same time, like it's still it's a decent movie. He was good too. The dad, you're right, was like a good good little twist there in the end with the wife having been involved in stuff as well, even though she passed away. But um, it was it was pretty good. I think I was surprised that it wasn't just like absolute trash when I <laughs> I first saw it. Yeah, they all kind of high hopes. Yeah, and then it was okay. It was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it's a decent watch if you want to sit down and have some popcorn with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, another film that I mentioned, The Autopsy of Jane Doe, got these two really get through, pulled through the ringer. <laughs> it's funny because I, I, didn't, I didn't like this movie, but I didn't dislike this movie. I really don't know why I can't say that I liked it. I just like I remember because I I watched it when it first came out, so I can't really recall why I felt afterwards like cheated a little bit. Don't know why. Maybe you can, maybe you can put it together. But at the same time, the movie itself was a good concept. Mm. I mean, I quite like it myself because it's uh, I like films where they can pull off having not that many characters in a film. Yeah. Oh, I I agree. I like that too. Where they kind of go, you know what, this is the situation, this is what they have to deal with. Yeah. An action. <laughs> yeah. So it's essentially the story is uh, uh, a dad and that's a mortician and his son who is uh, supposed to be taking over the, the family business. With Brian Cox, who everybody knows, Brian Cox is the older dad character who's mm. been in everything. Yeah, it's one of those people, you don't know his name, but you recognise his face. Oh my god, yeah, because literally he's been everything. He was even in that movie I just said, Manhunter. He was even in that. He was young. I mean, obviously it was a long time ago. Oh shit, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's in everything. He was in The Bourne Identity, he's in all those movies. He's been in everything. (laughs) I mean, he was uh, one of my favourite, we talked about last episode, or, yeah, I think it was last episode, Super Troopers played the the head of the the police force like he's just great brian cox is great i think it's just i'm glad that he's not like typecast no i feel like he's played so many different various types of characters is that he's the he is that face that you're like i know that guy yeah (laughs) i like that guy I think he, he plays the dad role really well because he is protective of his son and he does want to sort of, like, retire. He wants to the business to carry on, really. But the son is yeah. kind of saying, but I'm thinking about leaving because I don't want this to be my life. Yeah, this isn't the, the job for me kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. yeah it, it takes a lot to be able to work around dead people all day. <laughs> uh, yes, it does. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. 
essentially the storyline is um, these two have a a dead uh, a dead woman brought in, and they said, "Well, right, yes, because I don't know her name, Jane Doe. You need to find out how she died because I found her in a house with other people, but everyone else is." dead but they look like they were trying to escape but couldn't mm-hmm. she's almost um, like a perfectly preserved corpse she they they all like kind of died horrifically and she's just like a body yeah just hanging there <laughs> just all, all pale white eyes wide open <laughs> mm-hmm. they're kind of tasked with figuring out what happened and boy is there a lot that's happened to her <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty insane. I did think that, like I said, I thought it was a cool premise. Mm. Yeah, it, it's one of those films. It almost feels like there could have been more in the film. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. Because I honestly can't remember why I just didn't love it. But um, yeah, I think they could explore it more. Or, ha- I don't know, maybe. Mm, I don't know, I, I'd have to rewatch it. I have to rewatch it to figure out what I felt cheated by. Yeah. I kind of feel, I kind of feel as though that if it was it's a fifteen, but I feel as though if they booted up to an eighteen, they could have had more in there. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the things I show that's happened to it will be pretty horrific. Like, yeah. um, there's one scene where like, a, a fly comes out of a nostril, and the dad sees it, and he's like, well, "That's not normal. <laughs> that's happened before." And then they. Um, I open a rib cage up, like t- do the wine incision and pull like wow. the skin back and see that there's like incisions of like incantations or something. Yeah, she has like things almost written within. Yeah, and there's another yeah. wet bit where there's like a um, um, uh, a dirty old cloth like that's got teeth inside of it. That's in like in her gut as well. Yeah, there was a lot of like those kind of gross moments of like oof. Yeah. I think that for me, it's the bit that really made me kind of go, oh, that's uncomfortable. It's the fact they say, uh, they look at like a blood sample or something and they say, she's showing signs that she's still alive. Alive. Yeah. Yeah. But everything shows that she's dead. (laughs) The first inkling you get of that, isn't it just like a tear comes out of her eye or something? Like, Something crazy yeah. and subtle, like they're doing just, you know, a classic autopsy move where they're cutting something or opening something, and just like a tear rolls out of her eye, and you're like, yikes, like, I can't, yeah, that was tough. Yeah, yeah that was just unpleasant. Oh, um, but yeah, the, th- the, but the main reason why I feel for this dad in particular, it's because he says, because she's doing these things to them to show other people the pain she went through because it, uh, she was meant to be like a witch from the uh, Salem witch the trials. Witch trials. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause, uh, her, both her wrists were bound and broken, so her ankles. Um... Oh, what else was it? Uh... Yeah, the teeth swallowing the, the things under the skin. Mm-hmm. I think there were a couple of other things as well. And uh, yeah, because she's starting to mess with like the the son and the dad, and yeah. like, making them hallucinate everything. Uh, yeah, it's like she's coming after them. Mm. And the dad literally looks at her and says, "Please, just leave my son. I yeah. will take the pain from you. Just let me be the one to suffer, not him." Yeah. 
and then you see like all the everything happened to him. Oh, smoke in the lungs. That's one oh, of yeah. them. Huh? Yeah, because you see that the dad's like, ankles and wrists break. He coughs up a bunch of smoke. Um, yeah. He just starts twisting and turning on the floor because all, and but as it's happening to him, they're reversing on her. So she's starting to look more normal. Yep. Pretty yeah, intense. That, that is an intense yeah. scene. Yeah. It was just really unpleasant. I mean, yeah, I really did like the uh, the idea behind the story and everything, but I feel yeah. that it could have, like, if it was like an 18, I think it could have been that bit better. Yeah, a little bit more intense. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Aaron <sighs> Cox, you did a great job being a, a selfless dad. And how do you say it? Emil Hirsch? I think that's how you say it. The one that played Jane Doe, you mm-hmm. did well. You did fantastic at playing a dead person. <laughs> <laughs> As she did, it's true. Yeah, I mean, it can be quite difficult to play a convincing dead person. <laughs> but yeah, apparently she was actually naked on the slab for quite a few scenes, so hats off to you, dear. <laughs> yeah, seriously, just lying there nude. Yeah, on a morgue slab, you're going to be freezing. Yeah, the whole movie, too. It's, it's, not like, it's not like there's ever parts where she's like not just dead lying. Well, I mean, you know, she does other scenes, but she's always just naked in a, a morgue. I mean, I do have a shout out for one particular film huh. that is kind of like, he's not a direct dad, but he come, becomes almost like a father figure to a group of children. And it's the, um, uh, the original Children of the Corn. Okay. And it's when the, uh, the couple go to, uh, go to like, the, the town and everything. Because those children don't have any guidance, they're following uh, Isaac and... Another child, essentially, yeah. Yeah. And they're saying, oh, yeah, we, uh, the one up, up in the row. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the face. Please don't. <laughs> I want to say it's the one who walks, who walks the row, but it's not. It's, look at it. Oh, God, I can't remember it now. It's been a while since I've watched it. But, yeah, the guy in the. Um, Behind the row or something? I'm going to find it, but, yeah. Yeah, he essentially like, starts like, looking after these kids, saying, you don't have to do this. There is a better way of living. You don't have to die once you hit, like, 21. You don't have to sacrifice yourselves. You can live a better life. And essentially almost, like, adopts them in a way. Like, throughout he, the, walks, like, he walks behind the rows. There you go. <laughs> so I thought that was quite nice of him, the fact that he kind of, like, actually stepped up he didn't just kind of like Let, let's run for it or that's yeah, not like they're his kids or any of them are related to him but he's like look this is wrong and these kids need someone to tell them like how to do this i'm glad that he didn't just go up to him backhand all of them <laughs> i'm glad that he actually talked to them <laughs> yeah he didn't just try to beat them into submission and throw them in the car or something he was yeah. like look <laughs> look this is wrong what you're doing is wrong I did think about talking about the original or the remake, uh, recent remake of Pet Cemetery, because there's another dad just like thinking he's doing his best and, you know, ultimately is not making the right choices. No, he is not. <laughs> yeah. Good <Yeah>. God. <laughs> it's another dad who's just like, you know, a grief stricken dad who doesn't know what to do. He's, he's trying to do something, which ultimately is the wrong thing. It's shocking what people are willing to do in horror movies to keep their families together. Oh my god, yeah. I feel like that that's its own thing. Dads who are just like, at any cost. I did think about, too, just, just mentioning, because it's not a film, but The Walking Dead. I, like, was obsessed with The Walking Dead when it came out, like everyone else, and then I slowly but surely lost interest. 
to this day, <laughs> one of my favorite scenes. Oh. <laughs> well, one of my favorite scenes ever from anything. I think it's like so good on so many levels is when him and Carl are by themselves and they get attacked by those two guys and the guys are essentially going to like take his son and do terrible things to him. And he literally bites that guy's throat out. He's bound and yep, and he's got nothing else to do. And he's like, you know, fuck it. And he just bites this guy in the throat. And it's, you know, obviously it's good on so many levels because it's a zombie movie. And there he is biting a man in the throat to kill him. Do you know what I mean? Like to save his son. And he just looks like a beast afterwards because obviously he's now with his bare hands killed two grown men to protect his son. It's intense, but that scene, I think, is still, like, one of the highlights of that show. Like, showing you what he's willing to do to keep his son safe. That was a good one. I really got into The Walking Dead. Really? I, like, loved the first couple of seasons. And then, as much as I wanted to be into it, about the time, you know, the Negan character is introduced, which is an actor I obsess over and love. Oh, I do like him. Oh, yeah. I just kind of lost interest. It got, like too long and drawn out where like nothing was happening in too many episodes like it, it was so slow i couldn't wait around anymore it was like you know what i'll wait and i'll catch the whole season at the end i'll watch it and mm. you know i'll i'll binge it and then i just kind of lost interest my husband still loves it watches it all the time but i just i, I just kind of lost interest in it yeah i think for me i think yeah, at the time i think um i kept forgetting what day it was on tv or was doing something Okay. And that was literally the only reason I never, wa- never didn't really watch it. <laughs> I think it's coming to a close. So, I mean, you could always binge a million seasons. But uh, I, did, I did just the other day say I'd like to go back and, you know, pick up where I left off. But I still haven't. So, you know, we'll see. It's just one of those things, isn't it? You put it on the back burner for ages and then out now you just fell inspired to do it. Well, you know, recently, obviously, David and I are like running out of things we want to watch. <laughs> But um, David has never seen the X-Files. Really? Yeah. And so we just start, we just finished season one of the X-Files, which he's enjoying. But like, I was like, how can you have never seen the X-Files? Like, and we put it on and no joke. I remember most of the episodes and the minute it starts, I'm like, this is what's going to happen. I remember it, but I don't ruin it for him. But I just like, I'm so amazed that I remember every single episode. But um. Yeah, he's enjoying it, but again, that, that's going to be a commitment now. Like, that's the thing we go to now to watch, because there's a million seasons. Yeah, it's 11 now, aren't there? Yeah. It's like two movies and 11 seasons. Yep. We're, we're just through season... We're into, like, the third episode of season two. I remember that one. Oh, God. Me, uh, me and the wife have got an ongoing joke about uh, certain things that happened to Scully. <laughs> what? And it's kind of mean. Oh, no. <laughs> pretty much because there's so many episodes where scully either gets thrown across the room she gets oh snacks. yeah i said to david i forgot that she was like not a very good agent <laughs> but yeah go ahead and we always say i wonder if scully's gonna get slapped in this one <laughs> and it's so yeah. bad that we think that sometimes chances are yes because ultimately she's this tiny little thing and she's always getting knocked out She's always getting taken, knocked out, incapacitated. You're like, isn't she a trained agent? <laughs> Shouldn't she know how to handle herself? In every yeah. episode, it's true. She does get, like, hit. <laughs> yeah. But I, I like how Scully is the one that's kind of, like, the skeptic. 
that it's the woman that's kind of like, mm, it could be this. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It is a bit of a flip from most things where the guy is like, snap out of it. You're crazy. Yeah, she's the one that's like, Mulder, come on. There might be other explanations. Yeah. I just love that. <laughs> Mulder, it's God. me. Mulder, it's me. Over and over again, every episode. Yeah. <laughs> just open the phone. Mulder. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> It's not aliens, Boulder. It's this condition. It's this rare condition. <laughs> yeah, so we're watching that. I do like a bit of X Files. I did want to say, um, unrelated yeah, to Father's Day, obviously, I did have my. Uh, but I will say this: the one the other positive other than Chris Rock watching good was, and like um, I said to you, I did watch Spiral and traps. the Devil Made Me Do It. To clever traps. Terrible. Back to <laughs> cool ideas. I will say this: I had one positive, brand new. I'll say two positive, but I just enjoyed. I did think Rock. You have a hunch at some point in the role, movie. He was I'm sure like, it's the right 100%. hunch. 100%. The movie was good, very, you know what I mean? Like, I have nothing to say about his That's performance sad. or yeah. really, anything really like that. predictable. Like, from the minute it starts, you're like, oh. Yeah. So, David and I were a little bit bored by the end. But, like I said, Chris Rock was good and it had interesting traps. And The Devil Made Me Do It was just garbage. Yeah. I saw a review from um, uh, a YouTuber called Amanda the Jedi, and she just really funny reviews when she does it. And, uh, yeah. Ah, oh, some of it was just fucking funny. <laughs> we talked about too. I did watch Army of the Dead, and I did, I wanted to save it obviously to talk about a little bit about it just for the LGBTQ. I love Tig Notaro, and Tig was amazing. But like the whole concept of Tig wasn't in the movie. Like Tig didn't meet anyone. <laughs> yeah, she was just CGI'd in. I think it was literally like one actor actually did a couple of things with it, and that was it. <laughs> and again we talked about this in a couple episodes back when you're kind of let down by hearing something bad about someone you like mm. and a good one for me was Crystalia. I, I i really appreciated Crystalia's comedy and then there you know a lot of allegations and things came out against him and i was like well that sucks because you know he gets what he deserves now but um he was the movie was done he was the character in the movie and it was 100 percent done and ready to roll and a, you know, his allegations came out and his career tanked and they threw Tignataro in there over him. And she was great. She was absolutely great. She was my favorite part. It's not like, you know, the most insane, great, awesome movie. She was great. I'll take her in any little role. She was absolutely adorable in it. If you do like it, I would suggest watching, uh, what was it, Star Trek Discovery because she comes in as an engineer, I think in season two. Season one or season? I can't remember. I can't remember which one it is, but she plays an engineer and she's witty as hell and it's funny. <laughs> nice. I also watched, because I had never seen Brightburn, it was all right. I watched The Exorcist Beginning, which was like, oh, it's like 2004. It was all right. <laughs> I watched The Woman in the Window, which is like brand new, 2021. It was terrible. <laughs> I watched uh, 2018 uh, Sharp Objects. It was a mini series, eight episodes, an hour each. It was, it was okay. It was, you know, not... It was a very, very slow burn, but um, it was pretty good. It was, it was all right in the end. It had, it had a twist I didn't expect, so I thought that was good. But the ultimate ending, I predicted in the first episode. <laughs> or no, it was the first five minutes of the second episode. I said to David, this, and he was like, really? And I was like, yep. And then like the movie's over and you're supposed to think it's over. And then in like the last second of the movie, they're like, ha ha. And I was like, oh, that's the thing I said eight episodes ago. <laughs> At least it was something so predictable, you watch it and it's, oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> it did have a subplot that surprised me that I didn't pick up on right away. But um, ultimately, I just, you know, I watched everything I could watch because I was just lying here in pain with ice in my mouth. <laughs> so, <laughs> bleeding from my jaw. So I just watched a ton of movies, but out of all of them, 
guess I would only recommend Army of the Dead and only because it was fun and Tig Notaro is, is adorable. <laughs> yeah, I liked the action in it. I liked the Zeus zombie. Mm-hmm. And... It had some good ideas. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I did like the, oh, what was it? I was annoyed by how, what, how many of them get taken out. Yeah. But I liked, I really enjoyed the humour in it. Like, it's a horror action film with good humour. Yeah, humor. it was funny. Yeah, it, it was, it was, I would say it was more of a funny movie than it was any of the other things. It was, like, just fun. Yeah. Although, I do have one question, and I pointed uh-huh. this out to my missus when we watched it as well. Uh-huh. In the helicopter crash at the end, uh-huh. you know the, the mother, like, the woman that the, um, the volunteer went to go and save? Yes. Where was she in the plane crash? What happened to her? Yeah, I don't know. There are, it, it, honestly, if you watch it again, there's like 10,000 plot holes and things that aren't finished or are mentioned and then not talked about. <laughs> like, there are a hundred things that happen that you're like, oh, I, I guess that, I guess they're not going to discuss that again. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it was all about like, I got to save my friend. And then it was just like, she was nowhere to be found after they found her. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, she gets on the um, helicopter, the guy flying off, helicopter yeah. crashes, and then you never see him again. It's like, but this is like, the so... main reason that yeah. that volunteer... The whole thing is happening, yeah. This is the main reason why so many characters died. <laughs> Trying to save her. and then But then there's like just little things, like she's like, you should see what happens when it rains. And then they never talk about that again, like what happens to those bodies when it rains. Or like... There's like a part where you could tell that like the zombies are like ionic. There's like a part where there's yes. like a weird other robot zombie almost. And then they just don't talk about it. <laughs> I don't know. There's just like a lot of plot holes going on. But I'm sure like, you know, they did their best. A lot of it was like reef shot during the pandemic with Tig. And they were like splicing it all together. And, you know, like they did their best with what they had. And it's, it is that kind of movie. It's, you know, a Vegas zombie movie. What are you going to do? You know what I mean? But like. It was fun. It was all right. Yeah, I think just for the uh, the beginning scene alone, where it's like the Vegas singer. It's Richard Cheese, who I've known my whole life. Before the internet, Richard Cheese was like a thing. (laughs) He's singing Viva Las Vegas, and it fades from his like cheesy over the top Viva Las Vegas to like a sad rendition, like a hopeless rendition of Viva Las Vegas. (laughs) So it's like a montage of like everyone in. In Las Vegas, being bitten and turned and chasing each other. Zombies, yeah. <laughs> it was good. It was fun. It was a fun yeah. movie. And it's all in uh, slow mo. It's just beautifully done. And I just love uh, the music that's playing over. It's just so chip and cheerful. It's just these people getting ripped apart. <laughs> it was good. Out of the things I watched, oh, and I did watch The Dead Don't Die, which we talked about. It was probably the one I would recommend. Cause just because it's like a fun movie. You could put it on, have a good time, and it's over. You know, the end. But don't look too deep into it. But, um,. Yeah, that's all I have for Father's Day. That's my my whole Father's Day roundup. Same. Uh, should we move on to the uh, Alphabet Mafia? Because I am not going to stumble over that word, uh, over those LGBTQ plus movies. Yes. <laughs> for pride. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, for sure. I'm a part of that community. I should know how to say it. <laughs> like, yeah, you're the one. You should be saying. <laughs> Damn my speech problems. <laughs> Yeah, sure. I, I do want to just a uh, quick because, it you know, it I feel like it's that movie. So I just wanted to do like a quick mention because it's not like it. no one needs to talk about it. Everybody has seen it or everybody's heard of it. But um, Rocky Horror Picture Show, 
1975, yes. Richard O'Brien. Like Tim Curry as Frankenfurter is like just the greatest thing. Like and nothing will ever be better than seeing him play that role. <laughs> I saw it live on stage and uh, Tom Hewitt, who is just a gorgeous, beautiful man, um, played Frankenfurter. And he, he was amazing. He was absolutely wonderful. You know, obviously in your mind, you're thinking Tim Curry. Then somebody else comes out because that's how it is. But um, Tom Hewitt, who, who does have an incredible voice, looked incredible in his his body looked incredible in that outfit. It was just as good. Do you know what I mean? But like there's a deep love, which I've discussed with you, that I have for Tim Curry as a person. He's I think he's a, a national treasure for this country. <laughs> and um, the the iconic role of Frankenfurter as a you know transvestite from outer space is like so crazy and amazing and fun. And it's just like that kind of a movie that you just have to love it. Yeah. I mean, I saw it live with um, uh, a live performance with both my sisters and it was just funny as hell because we were all dressed up. Um, oh, yeah. Well, we, we, I've done that too, where you go to a midnight showing and you all dress up and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Audience participation, there's so much singing. It was just fun. It is like a party. It's like a celebration. It's this crazy sci-fi movie and he dies, you know what I mean? But like, it's just still like a fun party. Yeah. I did want to just give that a mention because it deserves it, you know? Yeah, and you think about when it came out, he was a transvestite character, just like walking around like sex on heels, you know what I mean? Like in a time when that wasn't like so common. Yeah. I mean, just the stockings alone, I'm like, I'm jealous of your legs, mate. <laughs> yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. He had better legs than most of my bloody exes. So <laughs> that kind of says it all, really. <laughs> Again, like when I saw it on Broadway, Tom Hewitt, who is tall too, like Tim Curry's not really a tall man, but he's a good looking man in that movie. But um, Tom Hewitt is a very tall man. He's taller than I am. And seeing him in those heels, in those stockings with his gorgeous legs too, it was like, I'm jealous. I'm jealous of you. <laughs> why, God, why must you give him the best legs in the land? <laughs> mm -hmm. Ultimately, absolutely awesome. Just a fun thing. So if you want to just watch like, I think the like the first type of character like that in a movie. Um, then check out Rocky Horror Picture Show because it's great. Definitely recommended. I mean, just for the being able to quote the movie in itself, it's worth it. It's just fun. Yeah, if you do, you are lucky enough to have gone to a midnight showing, you know that there's like all these call and responses and like when to interject with a funny statement that makes the line so much funnier in the movie. There's like all this fun participation involved. Go to a midnight showing of Rocky Horror. You won't regret it. But it is safe to do so. Yes. <laughs> After you've had your vaccination and everyone is, is vaccinated, then go. I, I need to talk about... I think I mentioned this in, the, in our Tropes episode, that there's so many horror films where the gay people die. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. 100%. It's so annoying. Or the, the, the people that are transitioning that are dying. Or, and it's just, it's just so much... It's just kind of like, just give us something good. And I find they're vilified a lot of the times too. They don't just die. Sometimes they're like the actual villain just because yeah. they're LGBT or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. I watched a really good gay horror movie last night called Hellbent. Hellbent. Okay. I don't know that one. Uh, you can either, I think it's on Amazon Prime or Here TV. Okay. But it was done in uh, 2004 and it's literally Halloween night. All these gay guys are dressing up to go to this giant Halloween party. 
and each one of them is like the stereotype. You've got the uh, the quiet nerd, that's a little bit socially awkward. Like the typical hero, he's got something that he, he can't change about himself, but he wants to do better. Yeah. You've got the man whore, and you've got the the one that's kind of like left out a lot of the time, that's kind of like trying to get some action, but isn't getting yeah. it. But yeah, it's just, it's a lovely film. And it's just funny as hell, because it's just... Is it a comedy horror? It has a lot of gay humour involved in it. Like, there are some funny bits in there. But I love how they're not defined by their cat, by the fact that they are, in fact, gay. They're defined by the fact that they happen to be gay and friends and in the situation where someone is killing them. Yeah. Yeah, it was... And it's nice to see, like, characters like that in a positive light. Like, it means so much. Okay, yeah. Because trying to find, like, a film where it is, like, predominantly horror where the characters are gay and they're not te- getting the mickey taken out of them. I mean, there is a scene where they are self-aware about it because the, uh, the main guy is, like, uh, working in the police force, but he can't be, like, an official, like, police officer like his dad was because of a, uh, a problem with his with one of his eyes. Like, he can't... Like, he can't... His depth perception is gone, essentially. Okay. So he can't shoot a firearm. So he has to, he's working at a desk all the time. And uh, there's... Um, there's a scene where he does uh, end up injured. He, his sister is a police officer and he tells his sister, don't let the other people know at work about like what led up to this because I don't want them to think that this is a gay bashing. Yeah. And it's nice that, they kind, that he kind of mentioned it, that that is actually a, a thing because he doesn't want to be... Like, some of the guys that he works with do take the mickey out of him for being gay. Yeah. But he, take, he kind of like, turns the other cheek, he gets on with his job. And he laughs along with it, but he doesn't want it to be like he doesn't want to be seen as like the victim because he's gay. Yeah, trying to be a strong, a strong character regardless of what everyone else is doing. You know, that, that, exactly. how how they're viewing it and how they see it. Yeah, and the characters aren't shallow. You actually get to know about each character. They all have like their own sort of like introduction bit. Like um, the guy that's dressing as the woman for the night, he's upset because like. He's like, he's known as like sex on legs when he's dressed as like his normal clothing. Uh, but because he's a, a gay, they dress as a woman. Quite a few people are kind of pissed off by it. Like they won't see him as a man or as a woman. Uh, but he's kind of like, you know what? I spent a lot of money on this one. I'm going to enjoy myself. Yeah, as he the, should. Yeah. And it's just really nice. And again, really nice legs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the wig alone is absolutely lovely, and I love the, like, even, I, you actually feel for the characters as well, whereas it's, uh, usually, they're so, in a lot of films, they are just sort of like the the character that gets killed off, or they're never heard yeah, from They're again. not, like, developed characters, and they're just side characters. Yeah, whereas in this, they are actually developed. You know about these characters, you learn what the personalities are, what the that they actually care about each other and that really each one of them does have a set goal that they want to do while they're on the on this Halloween night out. Oh, that's cool. I like that. I'm, I'm interested in watching it. I really recommend it. I mean, I'll watch like a, a crappy version on YouTube because I'm I'm cheap. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Never, I do that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's worth the watch. I mean, just for the character ve- development alone and the humour in it as well. I mean, yeah, there's some funny sound effects. Like, there's one particular bit where the uh, the guy that's dressed as a woman, uh, they've it's sort of, kind of like a party carnival thing, and there's like you know those uh, you have to knock the pins down when you throw the ball at it. Yeah. He kind of looks at the ball and kind of goes, 
and then what walks backwards a little bit and then he, he seemed like run towards like the actual front <laughs> bit and it, it does that stereotypical like bowling pool, ball noise when he knocks uh-huh. and skittles down and he knocks all of the things down he's just so proud of himself and it's like oh i just love that <laughs> good for him he did it <laughs> yeah it's just such a funny moment because it's it's the wind up where you see him running back really going it. for it mm-hmm. that's fun yeah. I, mean, I do feel bad about some of the death things but they work for each character i mean that's that's the part that makes it a good movie it's fair any other scary movie, all the straight characters that are involved and are important in the character, they're going to die. That's the point of a horror movie, right? You know? Yeah. And so even though you're liking these characters and it's rare to see them in this light, you're like, oh, man, they got to die. That's the, that's a horror movie. <laughs> yeah. And you're kind of like, oh, no, I like this character now. Why do Keep you have to do alive. this? They're finally, yeah. they're finally getting what they want. They're finally getting something good. <laughs> <laughs> and it wouldn't be a horror movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can kind of tell that the budget wasn't very high, but it was still a really good film to watch. Is anybody in it like any like you know famous now, or was it just a bunch of like unknowns or a bunch of unknowns? I don't recognise anyone, mm. but yeah, a good fun film to watch. Fun times, and it's a Halloween um, setting, so that's yeah. always fun. Yeah, you it's can't a big stereotypical like yeah stereotypical <laughs> US party. <laughs> Perfect. That's good. Check that out. I um I had I would say like it might be a little bit of the opposite because but I think that's a choice. I'll discuss further when after I explain. But so I was going to talk about the Neon Demon. I don't know if you've seen that. Yes. Oh okay. God. Yeah. The lesbian. Uh, yes. Uh, Necro. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that scene. Yes. Yeah, so uh, she's making out with a dead person. That's uh. yeah. And there's a there's a lot to unpack in the Neon Demon. Yeah, there's a yeah, lot you the, have to kind of concentrate on, isn't there? Yeah, so uh, The Neon Demon, 2016, and it's uh, Elle Fanning is the lead, and she plays a 16-year-old girl who essentially is, like, gorgeous. Parent, she comes from, like, Nowheresville, Georgia. Her parents die, and she's like, I'm going to go to Los Angeles. Then she goes to Los Angeles, and she meets a makeup artist, which is Jenna Malone, Ruby, and that kind of is the start of all the uh, the, the business going on. Because she does get involved in modeling, and Again, I think it's a choice, but it's a it's a split movie. 50% of the people love it, 50% of people who see it hate it because they're like the characters are underdeveloped and they're these like shallow, hollow characters and it's but the the story is visually gorgeous. Everything about it is like sexy and gorgeous. I think we that's exactly style. Yeah, but I think that's exactly the choice. Like ultimately it's about the fashion world. So they don't matter. These girls don't matter as long as they're gorgeous, who cares? what they're like. Do you know what I mean? Who cares what their character is like? And I think that's what the movie's trying to say. Yeah. Like, I I think them being kind of not fully developed characters is part of it. Like, I don't care. I don't want you to be a developed character because it's all about the way it looks and how they look and how what happened, not not so much what happens, but what happens as you, a viewer watching it is, you know, like everything, like necrophilia, cannibalism, the occult, witches, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, Everything you could think of wrapped into this like visually gorgeous movie, but um, it does have. And so you're saying like all these positive type things and positive. I would say that Jenna Malone's character is more of a negative, like like a like the predatory lesbian. You know what I mean, like yeah. she, she's not a positive character. It's more of a negative view. But again, I think it's all to do with the 
narcissism of the fashion world. I don't think it's a, a choice as a lesbian that she's this predatory lesbian. I think it's just the, the vampid, you know, like lack of care in fashion, not in lesbianism. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I don't think that's what they were going for. I don't think it was to make that negative. I think the whole concept is that the fashion world is horrific because, and, it, and you know, it's like a dog eat dog world, but they literally eat her. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that oh. was quite. Um, oh, the eyeball! Oh, she coughs up the eyeball. Was quite, <laughs> and the other she one throws up the it afterwards, and yep. it's like, uh. <laughs> yep. And so she's this like gorgeous. You know, they tell her lie, say you're 19. So she's only 16, but she's saying she's 19, and all this terrible shit happens to her. And there, there's the it's so the the other woman, Jenna, introduces her to the two other models, who the three of them are all just like instantly jealous of this young girl's beauty. It's a lot to unpack, and like I said, I don't think it's necessarily the most positive view of like a lesbian like situation but again i don't think that's on that i think it's on fashion and modeling and it works to me because the whole movie is just about the surface it's just superficial and it's just about like them not being fully realized like i said because these women are objects they're objects in this movie all of them even the ones that are the bad ones that end up destroying this young girl and her life they're just all pieces of this beautiful puzzle the look of the movie is like nothing i've ever seen it's just so pretty while still yeah. being horrific i love it when films can do that where you can make something that looks absolutely traumatizing look absolutely beautiful Gorgeous. Yeah, I, I, it's hard. And I think you have to have a definite style and you have to go all in on the style. You can't just dabble or try to, you have to like commit to this idea of whatever it is that you envision. It does come across. I, I think it was a, just a really good looking movie. And it does, you know, it explores, you know, it's, it's dripping with sexuality. So it explores sexuality because of all these beautiful people in this beautiful setting. Um, but uh, the, uh, the other movie, which I thought was kind of the, the opposite of that, that I wanted to mention was, I don't know if you've seen The Perfection? Yes, the, viol uh, the celloists and everything. Two celloists, yeah. yeah. So I thought that was, I, I didn't want to discuss it fully because I feel like there's a lot to unpack because it's not just about these two, two girls that do form a serious lesbian bond. It's about this horrible trauma that was inflicted upon both of them as children. You know what I mean? As as kids learning to play the cello and growing up in this like cutthroat world of being the best. But um, they as a couple come out of it winners, even though they go through so much like physical pain, mental pain. They they she has to essentially put her through catharsis of under like so she can come to terms with what happened to her because she's already come to terms with what happened to her as a child knows yeah. it's happening to this woman who she's now falling in love with, knows it's happening to her and has to wake her up from it, essentially, like look at it and, and face the fact that we both went through these traumatizing things as kids. In the end, they are, they, they do overcome it in a horrific kind of way, but they do overcome it and they are this, this like a, a gorgeous, like before all that, before the unraveling, there's the, you know, like a gorgeous scene of them falling in love and sleeping with each other. And like, it's that strong lesbian bond they didn't know they had until they met each other it's nice know? when you see things blossom like that but at the same time it's like oh uh, they've both gone through something really horrific one of them is understanding of the situation the other one isn't quite They're ready to face it like yeah and it's it's very difficult to face trauma i mean yeah. it's something you either you kind of realize that oh yeah this was actually a traumatic experience that lasted for many years but i never realized it was a traumatic thing yeah or it's something that's 
or it's a particular incident that's like a one-off sort of thing and it's affected you for the rest of your life and you continue to either hide it or you feel as though talking about it would be too painful for it in a way. Yeah. And it's a horror movie, so they get like horror vengeance on these perpetrators. I mean, that's what I mean by like, it's a whole nother level of like coming to terms with what happened to you. And it's insane. I think ultimately it's the first time I... I, sitting there as a viewer, thought, oh, wow, they're, like, really a beautiful lesbian couple in love. Like, they clearly, like, have formed a bond and are in love, even though they still have all this ahead of them and Mm -hmm. have to go through all this crazy. So, well, I didn't think, again, it's not like, hooray, it's the best look at it, because they did go through something horrific. But um, I did think, ultimately, it's the first time I can remember thinking, like, oh, look at them just, like, being in love and, like, falling in love and being this couple then it's, you know, uh, smashed by all this other stuff that has to happen. But that's what makes it a horror movie, you know what yeah. I mean? It's like, oh, look at this lovely lesbian couple. Let's <laughs> see something horrible. <laughs> now let's make it tragic and awful. But yeah, it's a horror movie, so that's, a, you know, what, what you expect. But ultimately, I thought The Perfection was a really good movie. I mean, that's a new one as well, 2018. Still visually stunning. Actors yeah, are beautiful. lovely in it. Yep. The music in it was absolutely brilliant. And I'll, I have to say, I love the outfits. Yeah, the, the dresses and things that they wear are absolutely gorgeous. Again, that's what I mean by like, it kind of, it was in the same vein, I think, of the Neon Demon, where it had a style. The whole movie has a style, especially when they're in that world of like elitist pianists or uh, um, yeah. celloists. It's like a whole yeah. image. Yeah, because not only do you have to like perform that be perfect in your personal life, your relationships, when you're on stage, when you're practicing, you have to get it right constantly. Like even if there's like a little something out of place, it needs to be fixed yep. straight away. Like nip it in the bud. It needs to be perfect. And and that was um Allison Allison Williams. She was in Get Out. She played the 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 daughter in Get Out who dates the the black character who she you know brings home to meet her family. Yeah, I thought I recognised her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's her, Allison Williams. Now, I didn't know the other character, but the woman, you know, the other girl was Logan Browning, who I, I had, I, I'm not sure I've seen her in anything else, but she's the one she has to, like, you know, come to understand what's happening to her right now, whereas Allison Williams' character has already faced it. One film I can think of, it's not completely horror, it's more supernatural than anything else, and it's called Thelma, and it came out a couple of years back. Okay. And it's, uh, oh, it's even Norwegian, I think, I don't quote me on that, please. But um, okay. I know it's not not in English, but I know that it's in like, oh, I know it's in that area of the world. I can't remember where. But uh, this, uh, I think, university student um, has like a severe case of epilepsy. She has like fits every so often. But it turns out uh, it was actually like a manifestation of her, uh, of her sexuality because her dad is so overbearing with like religion and that it kind of forced her to be more... You are. You must be with God. You must turn away from this sort of like this feeling you have towards women. So she's kind of like okay, internalized it, and it's. I think it kind of manifests itself into like telekinesis. But with that, she can like uh, cause people to go at, like leave existence, like leave this plane's existence, but bring them back if she has to. Wow. Yeah, I, I looked up. Uh, it is. You're right. It is. It's Swedish, Norwegian. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and it, it was 2017 Thelma. Yeah, no, I've never heard of that one. I find it by accident. I've got the DVD, but and it's just I love the film itself because it's still again visually stunning. It's 
very highly rated on on everything on on Rotten Tomatoes, Metacritic, IMDb, very highly. Yeah, I really recommend watching it so, um, because it shows that uh, she, Thelma herself, is trying to figure out what's going on. She feels guilty because she's falling in love with this girl that's come to a uni. Uh, she's dealing with what's happening to her because she's having these fits and it's ca- uh, she's causing these things to happen. And you learn later on that, oh yeah, that uh, she, she caused something to happen within her family when she, she, she was a child because of these things and it kind of explores like uh, the internalized homophobia in a way but it shows it in a way that's um a physical representation of like really because of her parents because of our upbringing she feels as though she shouldn't feel like this but she can't help it and she feels guilt for being gay for having these feelings towards another woman that does sound good i'll check that out yeah, like I said, it's got a ton of really high praise. Mm. Yeah, I'll let you borrow the DVD if you want. Okay. <laughs> but I feel like that happens every other episode. It's like, you know, and then I watch it and give it back. Yeah. <laughs> so I've never heard of it. I've got the DVD. You can have it. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought I thought one of us would mention High Tension. We didn't, so I'll mention it. Just because, like, I feel like everybody knows that movie and knows the twist now. Of, oh, you know, God. like Yeah. I, yeah, uh, yeah, High Tension, also known as uh, Switchblade Romance. Yeah. I thought we'd mention that just because I feel like it's part of that the genre. Or, like, Let the Right One In. I think that's, a, that's worth mentioning because it does have those elements in it as well. I don't know if you saw I saw the original and the remake. Yeah. I, I've seen both of them. A friend of mine also told me uh, that a lot more horrific things happen in the book. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, I, I've never read the book. I would never. say make sure that you're in a mentally comfortable situation because there's Safe some mental horrible places. things. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Plenty gotcha. of cushions, a cup of tea or coffee and... Watch a Disney movie afterwards. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, will do. But, um, yeah, no, I feel like, and, and it's funny because obviously like The Perfection is a newer movie and the one the what was the movie that you the with the men uh hellbent and that was 2000 early 2000s yeah hellbent. i mean I, I, that's not that old you know what i mean early 2000s isn't that long ago and i feel like we're we're still not seeing that many movies where it's like looked at in a positive way like you're saying with these characters just being these characters living their life and we've talked about it in video games where i feel like in um like the last of us she's just living her life obviously it's this horrific life in a post-apocalyptic setting but like obviously she's just a person surviving and it doesn't matter that she's a lesbian woman surviving like that's the point these characters should just be normal characters living their life living through these things in these movies and it shouldn't be like oh we have a gay character in this movie it should just be like any other movie yeah exactly like it should just be any other movie like the fact that she is the lead of this game who happens to be a lesbian has like nothing to do with it it just it's a human story about humans you know i think i I appreciate that and i I still think like obviously video games are doing it better (laughs) than a lot of movies in movies they're the side character they're the first character off or they're like a an inconsequential character or they're a stereo overly under underdeveloped overly excessive stereotype character the gay best friend in the fashion world or something so ridiculous that you're like oh my god like he can also just be a truck driver and happen to be a gay man you know what i mean like he could work at mcdonald's and also just be a gay man like you don't need to make him these over-the-top characters exactly. that are inconsequential when you mention the truck driver thing that reminds me of uh stakeland 2 there is actually a gay couple in it but you don't realize they're gay until they kiss yeah. and they ki- and they die and yeah mm-hmm. 
Holy shit. Okay. They, they were I a thought, gay couple. Best friends. No, they're gay. Oh. They're, they're a couple. And I was like, wow, that's actually quite cool. That's progressive. We talked about that in the first Last of Us with just that side character. They go to his town. Yes, I remember him. He's he's just like a, you know, like a deranged crazy man making it through the 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 pandemic, making it through the <laughs> apocalypse, but also he happens to be gay and it's not even talked about because who cares? You know what I mean? Like it shouldn't have been a, a talk. It wasn't like I'm a gay man surviving. He was just like I'm a human being trying to do what I can to survive and he also happened to be gay. You know what I mean? Like it it was just so well done. I feel like those games are 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 doing such a good job mm-hmm. when it comes to those kind of characters. Characters. And you, I'd like to see those characters. And, you know, they are going to make a, we talked about, they are going to make a, a film, a Last of Us, a TV show or a film? Uh, they were going to make a film a while ago, but they felt that they wouldn't be able to do it justice. So they're doing a TV series. Doing a series. So those characters are now going to come to life in the series. You know what I mean? It'll be interesting to see if they do it right and they do it how the game did it as opposed to making it a Hollywood type version. Yeah. I love how, how in like, the sequel they did make Ellie like a bit nervous when it came to like um, Dina. Yeah, when Dina yeah. kisses her and she actually kind of backs off a little bit and does get a bit nervous because it's so... It's a human reaction and it's... it's I have to admit, it's an experience I've had as well. We feel like, should I be doing this? You're made to feel insecure about something that's natural to you just because of how others may look at it. Exactly. Like A good example for me would be um, uh, being at school and getting changed in the locker room with the other girls. And it's kind of like, I I was like the least predatory person. I was the stereotypical lesbian that would stare deadpan at the wall and make sure I would... (laughs) Just so I wouldn't make anyone feel uncomfortable. Aww. So just, I didn't just want... crazy. Just totally crazy because it's like, it's not that, it's the same as heterosexual people in a room changing. Just because someone is looking at you doesn't mean they're looking at you for like surreptitious reasons or like sexy times reasons. Like it should just feel <laughs> <Sexy> normal. <times. laughs> it should just be normal and like accepted and regular. But it, you internalize it as an insecure person and think like, oh my God, if I look at someone, are they going to think I'm looking at them for the wrong reason? Just crazy, you know? Like, it, yeah. it's just, it's tragic. You shouldn't have to do that. Uh, yeah, it happened for years. And it just, because I think, uh, I told my closest friends at school about it, but there were some people that I think they kind of speculated, but I'm not sure. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I was that, t- I was that kind of awkward person that didn't want, I made myself so I wouldn't make people feel uncomfortable as a precaution. Yeah, which then makes you uncomfortable though, which is crazy. Totally crazy. Yeah. Yeah, we've, we've talked about this before. Like I, I just in general, I have like no kind of negativity towards anything like that. I have many friends who are lesbians who are married, who have children. I have gay friends who are married, who you know don't have children or are having children or living their lives. And for me, it's very normal. It's part of my life. My, they're my family, you know, like these people are the most important people in my life and I could care less what their sexual orientation is. Just want them to be happy. You want anyone to find love and be happy and be in a relationship that makes them happy. And it's important to me that those people know that I support them and want them to be happy. Those people in my life that I surround myself with, that I choose to, you're a chosen family, your friends, you know, yeah. you get to pick those people and you want the best people <laughs> to be your close friends. You want them to know you support them in any decision regardless you know of, of anything you want to wear that sweater it's a hideous sweater if you want to wear it you wear it <laughs> like it doesn't matter what decision or what feelings they have of that 
that choice. It's not a choice. It's who you are. It's how you live your life. You should like, you shouldn't have ever had to feel like, Oh, I have to look at the ground. You know what I mean? Like, cause I'm going to make someone else uncomfortable. Just live your life. Like, that's, that's what you want everyone to do. Just live their life and be happy. But I mean, that's what pride month is about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I didn't actually know what, how pride started originally until recent, uh, like recently I found out uh, that it started as an actual riot. Yeah. And that seems to be, uh, a really big way for people to kind of get the foot in the door and say we're here stop trying either bullying us or stop ignoring us yeah absolutely you know it's not all about like, grinding on each other in the middle of the street with like confetti cannons going off waving which is fun but it's a totally different thing yeah <laughs> yeah you know it's wanting to be an equal person to everyone else re- regardless of your sexual preference exactly like we have the right to have the same job as you we have the right to have kids to Absolutely, own a 100%. house you know i have the right to walk down the street and not have to worry about getting my head kicked in a hundred percent sexual identity and sexual preference and being comfortable in your skin is like a human right. Mm. It, it has nothing to do with someone else's opinion of right and wrong. It's a human right. I think it's, it's just difficult for some people to understand that because it's, I think it's that sense of traditionalism where it's kind of like you kind of, you throw these, that thought process down the line for your family and it spreads that, oh, that should be wrong. I don't agree oh, with it. That so. kind of, in, intolerance is taught. It's learned. It's passed down for 100%. You don't yeah. just decide that one day. Like As a child, your your parents influence what you think is, is acceptable in the world in any case. So it's a, it's a taught thing. Yeah. Intolerance is taught for sure. I mean, that was one of the reasons why I was so terrified when I came back to both my parents. I mean, I told my mum and she, she looked me dead in the eye and said, it's fine, we all knew you were at least bi. <laughs> it just it shocked me but i felt so happy about it she was just yeah. you know she's a better to herself that really if no a beautiful woman comes into her bed she wouldn't kick her out so <laughs> i was like you know what i'm glad <laughs> it's just nice to have that reassurance that you got something to talk to even my dad, who, um, uh, he saw me wearing, um, I came back from a festival and I was wearing a shirt that said, nobody knows I'm a lesbian. And he saw under my jumper <laughs> that the neckline was different when I came home. So I said, oh, let's have a look at your new shirt then. And I kind of like shyly showed him and he went, it suits you. And then he just carried on folding laundry. And oh my just gosh. Act- <laughs> and there was just no reaction. And I was just there like. He couldn't ask for a better, a better reaction. It was just the like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah and it was just yeah there's so many things on tv in film and like any sort of thing you watch or you read and witness and you i knew that my parents would always be really accepting of things because they always yeah. said that as long as you're happy you're healthy you're not hurting people we don't really mind what you do with your life yeah. but because of so many negative things i've heard there was always that little part of my brain that's like they're yeah, not you worry then you know they're not gonna be happy about this yeah. or they're gonna treat you differently and they never did yeah. I, I mean it does happen in a lot of cases so you're very you know you're lucky in that respect that it was just like oh okay we love you that's fine it's yeah. moving on <laughs> yeah i think that was just the thing that shocked me the most and it's like i hear from so many people that you know they've had bad experiences for family members yeah. i mean i went to a uh have you ever heard of the l word huh? I went to a convention in the UK. The first one I went to, 
I was too scared to go on my own. So I asked my mum if she wanted to come with me. And so many people there were like, I, I would love to be able to come to something like this with my mum. And they actually Your mum, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, and they hugged my mum and they talked to her and they were just there like, you know what, this is really cool. It's nice to have someone's parent actually being accepting and happy. Yeah, that's amazing. What's funny about it is that she... My mum actually thought it was, as soon as I said convention, she thought it was like a sci-fi thing, not Star Trek or Star Wars. She didn't know it was a lesbian convention until the night before. Sprung it on her. <laughs> She's the one that didn't look. <laughs> I, I, you know, I can't speak for myself, but I can speak for, you know, just the, the people in my life that have told their family and friends. I'm very, like, happy to say none of them had a bad experience with telling their family or telling their, you know, their their friends and stuff. My closest friend, um, uh, my closest friends that that are you know gay and lesbian have told their families and had a hundred percent acceptance and love and support. So I'm, I'm I feel like very happy for them, very lucky to for them you know to have gone through a positive coming out it makes you happy and it gives you hope. That it'll be easy like easier for someone to turn around and say it to their family or it gives them them hope that they can do it. Shows them that it, it's it's accept it's it can happen. You can tell someone and it won't change anything. Yeah, exactly. I'm very happy for them. Yeah. I mean, I'm the same with people as well. Right? As long as you're not doing anything illegal, if you're not, like, uh, I don't care who you're married to, who you're dating, who you're sleeping with. As long as you're happy, you're not causing harm, you're not doing anything illegal. Yeah. Then Live your life. <laughs> what's wrong? <laughs> yeah. Then do what you do. Do what makes you happy. Yeah. 100%. I find it funny when people actually say, oh, God is judging you for being gay. And I'm like... I have depression. I already judge myself enough mentally. No one can hate me as much as I do. <laughs> exactly. I don't need some hypothetical bearded git sitting on a cloud to judge me. I do it enough Judging myself. <laughs> no one could could hate me as much as I hate myself. So I don't need someone else to tell me that someone's disappointed. He can go to hell. <laughs> yeah, I do love the um, oh, that music video that came out that caused so much controversy. Uh, Montero? Montario? It's controversial because he is actually an out, out, out and proud guy. Mm. And there's this bit in the music video where he's going down to hell, but he's wearing like stripper boots and he's twirling around a very, like the longest, um, pole. Str yeah, stripper pole straight down to hell, <laughs> just singing while he's going down to hell. And he oh. does a lap dance on the devil and it's like, it's just brilliant. I don't know that, but I will look into it. Sounds exciting. Yeah, I mean, me and the missus watched it and we were like, what's, how is this any different to any other music video that's come out in the last few years? It's like, you've got like women wearing half their clothes or some things where it's just they're like, they're practically like grinding on each other. Yeah. So what if he's going to hell? He's going where everyone tells him to go. <laughs> and he's having fun while doing it. Shut up. And he's enjoying <laughs> himself. Yeah, but so many people are like, oh, we wanted him to go to hell, but not like this. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> You're not supposed to enjoy it. Exactly. <laughs> it's just funny as hell to watch, and it's like, what's the problem? <laughs> I, I, just just going back, I keep thinking about it, so with The Last of Us, I, I guess, I think, is it going to be an, uh, an HBO show, wasn't it, I think? I think so, yeah. Okay. I mean, I have I hopes for it in portraying those characters exactly like they, they nailed it in the games, um, but um, I wonder who's going to be cast as those characters i think they've already cast ellie as jo and joel so far i think i only heard joel i think my husband told me it was um what's his name the mandalorian um i can't remember his name i know that the girl is from game of thrones oh it's her 
Yeah, not yeah. Amelia Clark, the other girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ella Ramsey played the the like little girl who was the head of that house. Mm. Pedro Pascal. I'm looking forward to watching it, but a part of me is apprehensive because I think, are they going to do the characters justice? Yeah, I hope so. I really do because now I'm thinking about it, and I was thinking, like, like I said, I th- I feel like they did such a good job with just making these people people who live their lives in this world, you know. And I thought the characters were great and so real. And and even Bill, he's this crazy man in this town just trying to keep himself alive. And you just kind of catch that he's, oh, oh, okay. But like, it has nothing to do with anything. Just is the, it is who he is, you know? Mm. And I, I love the way they did it. And I love the character. And because um, obviously that person, he's he's kind of inconsequential ultimately. So he hasn't been cast yet. It's really just the four. It's Tommy, Joel, Ellie, and Marlene that they've cast. But, um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm excited. I hope it's good. I want it to be good. I do as well, but I don't get my hopes up. I know. <laughs> That's what happens with anything. You're like, wow, that sounds great. And then you're like, no. You've ruined it for me, no. <laughs> yeah. Especially something I feel like The Last of Us has, like, such a following. Definitely, yeah. I mean, just from the first game alone, like, there was a massive yeah. following. And then the sequel was like, dear God, <laughs> tenfold. <laughs> was like an emotional experience playing that game like a hundred percent we've talked about this it was like a whole big deal oh yeah i'll let you cried (laughs) yeah i don't i don't think anybody didn't cry if you didn't cry you don't have tear ducts you you can't cry i think if you you have you don't have the ability to cry if you didn't cry at the last of us my wife didn't stop it she didn't cry in the first one no i don't think she cried at the second one either oh my god It had to touch, like, her heart in a way. <laughs> yeah. The story had to be heartwarming and, heart and, t- and like, I feel like you just go on such a journey with these characters. And, and you know, it goes back to, you know, tie back to Father's Day. I was like, I love Joel. He is, like, the epitome of the dad who would do anything for... Literally like, anything. <laughs> yep. I just, like, he was, he was my video game boyfriend after that. <laughs> Husband do. <laughs> I just loved him. I loved his character and I loved his whole his whole arc and everything as well. The tie-in. So The Last of Us has a great Father's Day message and a great LGBTQ positive um, message. The Last of Us really nailed both of those things. Such, yeah, that is actually quite a good one, actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hopefully. We'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed that the show gives it that same love and justice. And that, and I, I love Pedro Pascal, so hopefully, you know, I have hopes, high hopes. I do want to make a mention of a hey. film that is coming out because it's, um, uh, it's got lesbian in it, lesbianism is it in it. There's werewolves. And it's just both things I love because I love werewolves. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds fun. You Okay, I'm listening. It's literally like, it's meant to be coming out, I think, this year. And it's literally like this woman that goes somewhere to, uh, to uh, produce this music studio, like in the middle of nowhere, tries to record like an album. And she starts to show like certain things. Like she starts to transform. She starts to... But she's naturally vegan, but she starts craving meat and she, that things start to happen. And there's a, like, a lesbian scene in the trailer. I'm like, yes. <laughs> Werewolves, lesbian, horror. I love it. <laughs> What's it called? Uh, Bloodthirsty. Bloodthirsty. I'll yeah. look it up. It's funny, from that title, I thought I thought it was going to be like a, a vampire film, but no, werewolves. Well, I mean, werewolves are bloodthirsty too. Yes. <laughs> bloodthirsty. 2020 official trailer. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it came out because of the uh, no. pandemic. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, fun times. I'll watch the trailer when we're done. But yeah, uh, I don't really have much else to say about those subjects. But 
yeah uh good oh yes i want to do a shout out because uh we oh. have two people on buy me a coffee that have bought us a coffee oh thank you two people <laughs> yes thank you dear and i'm glad that we can make people laugh we've had a few people who say that they enjoy listening to us because it gives them a little giggle they like the humor they like listening about the different films and it's just it's nice to hear <laughs> nice feedback oh wow, that's great yeah it's nice knowing that we can make people smile yeah especially during all this <laughs> yeah it's needed <laughs> but yeah uh, you can find us on buy me a coffee we've got facebook and instagram uh you can find us on doodaloo podbean spotify and anchor if you want to find us by the way, on Anchor, the UK is winning in terms of listeners at the moment. The US is second. Uh, there's someone in Germany and Turkey as well. What? <laughs> yeah, I was quite surprised as well. <laughs> Very cool. So, yes. Uh, yes, we would like you to keep listening. And if you're interested, we do have merch on T-Mill. Uh, so we do have the wealth design for myself because I like them. And Rhea has the Green Reaper. Yes, and we also have our logo on shirts and tote bags as well. Oh, very nice stuff. Yes, I'm very pl- pleased with those designs. So yes, uh, you can find us all those things. Keep listening to us and hopefully we'll hear back. F- and yeah, just buy us a coffee, have a chat with us. And if you do buy us a coffee, actually, you do get to say, uh, you get to choose what episode we get to do. Not a subject oh. or if there's any films you want us to talk about. What are the two that bought us a coffee? Um, they give any recommendations or? Uh, just waiting on them at the moment. So they okay. should be getting back to me soon. Okay, great. So yes, for as little as £2 or £3, you can suggest something for us to talk about. Happy Pride Month. Happy Father's Day. Yes. Happy Father's Day and happy Pride. Enjoy <laughs> yourselves. <laughs> and, happy pa- uh, and happy Proud Fathers. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Okay then, right. See you in the next episode. Hey, bye, 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 bye. How can you do this to me? This is hurting my soul. This, this is me, girl.